You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Welcome to Security Sandbox. I'm Amanda Fennell, Chief Security Officer at Relativity, where we help the legal and compliance world solve complex data problems securely. And that takes a lot of creativity. One of the best things about a sandbox is that you can try anything. This season, let's explore how curiosity and personal passions inspire stronger security. Grab your shovel and let's dig in. Security threats hit hard, and the true test of a security team is in its instinctive response to attacks. Today, we hope to play nice and avoid full contact combat while learning about the mixed martial art of Krav Maga and how that leads to a more secure cloud environment. Weighing in with 26 years of law enforcement, Tony Cienflon has trained in Krav Maga, Wing Chun, and Jiu-Jitsu. He's the founder of Tactical Fighting Systems. Ready in her corner is Relativity's very own Jessica McAllister, manager of cloud security on the Calder 7 team. All right. So, Tony, I'm going to start with a question you have to answer all the time. Please, what is Krav Maga for our audience? All right. Krav Maga. Krav Maga was created in Israel as a, a fighting system for their military. It was created in 1947 by Emi Lechtenfeld, uh, who was uh, in charge of training the IDF. Uh, Krav Maga was so effective because it used instinctual motions that you do anyway, and he weaponized it. It's easy to pick up. It's easy to learn. That's why the, their military adapted it. Their police then adapted it, and then it went to the civilian world. Awesome. So what are you doing at Tactical Fighting Systems? All right. So t- t- actually, Tactical Fighting Systems, I started a long time ago, uh, but then I, tra- I transitioned to, into my Krav Maga as, as a business. So I teach Krav Maga at Tactical Fighting Systems. We teach uh, how to defend yourself against multiple attackers, how to defend uh, yourself with uh, weapons involved. Uh, we teach you how to use the person's body leverage and use it against them. Uh, we teach you about awareness. We teach you about aggression, aggression, and we teach you techniques. That's awesome. Jessica, mm-hmm. does this sound slightly familiar? <laughs> oh, yes. You've worked with Tony before. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes, I remember going into my very first Krav Maga class and like, this is just going to be some exercise martial art thing. And Tony was like, okay, we're going to attack the frame and concuss the brain. Aggression wins fights. And I was like, yes, this is going to be amazing. It's like instantly supercharged. Jessica, let's tell everyone what you do here as a manager at Relativity. Yeah. So I am a manager of the cloud security team. My team is in charge of identity and access management, cloud governance, and ensuring the safety of our cloud customers. So we continually scan our environment looking for vulnerable assets or something like that. We make sure people only have access to what they need for the minimum time they need it. And we make sure that our cloud configuration is as secure as possible. And there's one other side to your team that you work with as well, which is all about how to offer that transparency to a customer, right? So we do all these great security things, but they all want to know that they can see it. So that transparency is there with things like Security Dashboard. Yes, Security Dashboard is a one-stop shop for all of your permission needs in Relativity. A system administrator can go here and they can check and see what their users are doing, what level of access they have to their system. And we're even working on 
having a tool out where they can check to see if there's any strange like user behavior so they can get those alerts as fast as possible so they can act on them as fast as possible. That goes right back in. User and entity behavior analytics is just such an overlap with that situational awareness. Being able to see when something looks amiss and when something looks like it's not quite right, it looks exactly, you know, when you need to start looking at something closer. So I think it's great for the Krav realm and walking down the street and having that UEBA in your head. That looks abnormal. You may not want to do that. (laughs) It's a great idea to look at it that way. Let's talk about what does escalation look like of aggression? How does that look like to a person whenever you're dealing with that fight, Tony? Uh, So escalation, what it looks like. Uh, It could look like yelling and screaming. It could look like gaining distance, right? Or, 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 um, merging or coming uh, closer to you. Uh, looks like uh, a push. It looks like a punch. Uh, looks like body language, right? You can have to read the body language. You have to look at their hands, right? If you look at their hands, if they're angry and, they, and they're aggressive, you can see they start clenching their fists. Yeah. Interestingly, in the cyber realm, it, an increase in aggression looks like more activity. Mm-hmm. So when we say there's like aggressive scanning, it's because there's more activity taking place. So it's the same idea of this escalation. When things get hot, there's more stuff happening. Mm-hmm. When do you know an attack is over? When do I know when the attack is over? <laughs> it, it's, uh, it's over when I end it. That's when it's over, right? I either ended it through de-escalation or I ended it through force. De-escalation looks like um, you talk talk the person down, right? You talk them down, calm them down. It looks like seeking cover to create time and distance, right? Put something in between you. It looks like when two people agree that there was a, a miscommunication and they go their separate ways, right? That's and, and And that's what you want, right? That's what I want. I don't want fights are fights are nasty. Even though I say you have to be aggressive and win that fight, at the end, you're going to do some damage to your body too, right? You might hurt your hand. You might hurt your elbow. You might fall, hurt your knee. So fights are pretty, pretty nasty. So de-escalating is number one. I like the idea here that uh, you're going to take some damage. You know you're going to take some Mm -hmm. damage when you have a physical altercation. In the security realm, do you think you're always going to take a little bit of damage when there's an attack? I think you might going to take a little bit of damage. There's a reason that we have defense in depth as a concept in security. Like you have separate multiple layers of defense because you're expecting maybe your first defense to be breached. So that's why you have that second backup layer. They might get you here, but we can stop them here. So that way, maybe they get a little information. They didn't get the data. They just got maybe, hey, this person works here. They didn't get what that person works on. That's a great answer. Defense in depth, big cyber term, Tony, just so you know. That's how we make sure we got all those layers in place. Just like if you want to get in a building, you got to get through five different locks or something. Mm. Well, when you're in in an altercation of some type, what would you advise people are the vulnerable parts that you want to aim for, Tony? Uh, So the parts, you always want to hit the vital parts, right? Soft tissue and vital parts. You don't want to hit something that's hard that's going to hurt you. Uh, I usually... I like to go straight line. So if you go straight line, you have the eyes, the nose, the chin, the throat, solo plex and groin, straight down that line. Uh, then for, for uh, my secondary would be my vital points that are more rounded, would be your spleen, your liver, uh, your floating ribs, uh, your carotid, right? 
nice cried slam to the to the neck area pretty much <laughs> hurts you, <laughs> right? Then the back of the neck, right? So, but I always follow that straight line. If you follow that straight line and you're aggressive enough, you pretty much take care of that business. That's that's cool. So you you go for that. You go for the straight line. You get the vulnerable parts. How do you do a takedown? Okay, the takedown. Well, there's three ways you could take somebody down. One through striking by knocking knocking the consciousness out of them. You're knocking them out. One would be throwing the person, throwing your inside where you out leverage them and throw them. And the other one sweeping the leg or taking their legs out underneath them. And they all hurt. By the way, if you ever got slammed, it hurts. <laughs> Yes. What was something comparable for you in security that we develop our skills in different ways whenever you go through, go further in them? Yeah. I started my security career off as a web application pen tester. So initially I was only concerned with things like the OWASP top 10, SANS top 25. We stopped SQL injection. We stopped cross-site scripting. But as I've worked at Relativity, our department has grown from a five-person team to a 50-person department, and I've been exposed to way more of the security realm. So I've learned about the corporate side of things, cyber, phishing attacks, how to deconstruct malware. So now I'm not just thinking about maybe I need to sanitize a parameter. I'm thinking, do our vendors take their security seriously? Do we need to be worried about a supply chain attack on their side? How do we secure our entire corporate network instead of just this one little web application? That's an awesome thing to hear that you're focused on, by the way, as as a CISO, that's what I want to hear. It's interesting for Tony, though, because you mentioned earlier situational awareness, and that's part of this, is situational awareness, knowing what your risky area is. How do you explain situational awareness, Tony, to people in your classes? So one, I teach them to keep their heads out of their phones when they're walking down the street. Uh, there's a little game I play. So the game is this. I, I ask my members or my students to go outside, put their phone away, and pick victims while they're walking down the street. Who would you attack? All right. Who would you attack? And do that for about two weeks. Get kind of used to being that predator. And then you sit back and then you pick that victim. Two weeks later, you pick that victim and then you look around and find the predator. Who's watching that person? And once you develop that type of skill, then you then it becomes habit. And then I walk down the street and my head is looking for, for threats. I, Jessica, you know what I'm going to ask you because that sounds <laughs> familiar, right? So how do you feel about thinking in security that's very similar here? How does this feel like adversary thinking? Oh, yeah. This reminds me of threat modeling where like an engineer comes, they pitches an idea and we look at it and we say, okay but what if we do this? Okay, but what if we do this to this system or we attack here? Did you take that into account? And that's how we help our engineering teams build security into our platform. And we also at Relativity have a fantastic threat intelligence team. So they are just constantly searching dark web, normal web, just making sure that we are aware of what threats are emerging in what industries and if they are planning on targeting our own. This brings to mind stress. Because when you're in a fight, there's stress. When there's securities, there's incidents, there's stress. So Tony, stress plays a big part in how you fight. How do you handle your stress going up in a fight? Um, you're right about the stress, Amanda. Um, stress could could actually kill you in a fight, right? 
It could freeze you. It could stop the whole thought process on how to escape. Uh, stress. How do you handle stress in a fight? Uh, tactical breathing. You know, combat breathing. Deep breaths, hold them, let them out. Breathe through your nose, hold, and let it out. You could do that. You could bring your heart level down, and you could pretty much manage that stress. Jessica, are you doing breathing tactics when you're dealing with work? Yes, I do. I do progressive muscle relaxation. If I'm starting to feel, I just take care of it now. Although my thing is for stress, I think the most important thing is practice. Practice, practice, practice. So if you do, might be in a situation where you could freeze, your habits just take over. So in Tony's class, you just drill, drill, drill. And we have this particular exercise where you just are in the center of this group and people just run in and attack you and you get tired. And then eventually it's just reflexes. Did you practice enough that your reflex protects you? Yeah. And it's kind of the same in cybersecurity. We run, we have run books, we do drills, we have tabletop meetings where we have a fake situation, but we run through how to handle it. So we build up good habits. So it's, it's interesting. Breathing is a great one. I love it, Tony. We can have people do more of this breathing and understand what you're really saying is we control our stress level mm-hmm. and we should activate that. Yes. You definitely do control your stress level. That's awesome. Jessica, why did you first go into Tony's classes? What led you to do that? I had always wanted to learn a martial art, just self-defense. But when I moved to Chicago, it was definitely more apparent that there were more threats around. Like I'd be riding on the train and people would just be saying crazy things or they'd be screaming or sometimes fights would just break out. And I was thinking, I don't want to be caught up in this, but if I am, what would I be able to do? So I just searched around and I found Tony's gym and I went to a class and was like, this is going to do it. This is going to teach me. They're not just doing this so that they can advance you through the belts. They're doing this so that you can protect yourself. This was the thing that most made me interested in Krav Maga originally is that you're, you look normal whenever you're actually in a fighting stance. There's like the neutral passive stance, like an everyday position and where you go, but it's this really subtle thing that you do when you start to feel a level of aggression increase that you very subtly move one of your feet, your primary foot back, and you can start to move up on the balls of your feet a little bit for weight distribution. But that, you know, hip width apart, shoulder width apart, kind of separating your feet, kind of moving, pivoting your movements a little bit so that you'd be ready to throw a punch if you needed to. But as far as the person's concerned, you look like you're defenseless. You know, you have your hands up, you know, you're kind of like, hey, hey, no big deal, guys. It's okay. And that kind of dynamic when the reality is that's your stance, you know, that's you ready to go. You're ready with very little movement in order to throw a punch that's going to start all the way from your ankle that goes all the way up with your energy and it will go right up into their face. So this is just ready to go. Um, I've always loved that it was like hidden. So I'll talk to the security, but Jessica, what is your thoughts? Yeah, that. When we were learning how to disarm someone who had like a pistol on you and you're, you're supposed to slowly raise your hands up, it looks defensive, it's what they expect, but it's also so that you can do that exponential jump into aggression where you move your hands fast, you get that gun out of the way and they don't really see it coming. You've gone from like defenseless victim to attacker. Mm-hmm. And that's like part of Krav Maga. It's the attack and defend, the simultaneous attack and defend. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of like insecurity when we set up a honeypot because we're attracting attackers to this thing that we want them to look at to see that it's vulnerable so that we 
can get information on them. So we're defending, but we're also attacking. That's a great tie-in for the honeypot. I was thinking like super holistically, the whole program, we act very approachable and we act very calm and very friendly, but behind that is a wealth of knowledge that's ready to be activated at any time. And I think that's how I was looking at it holistically, but very specifically, yes, the honeypot's the perfect example. Come on in, have some of this, take a load off. We're just going to capture all your IPs and URLs and, and everything about you and, and learn your behavior as a malware. So yeah, 100% true. It does lead to a little bit of um, bravado though, Tony, Like because when I would walk down the street over time, it was almost like, I wish somebody would try. I wish someone would try. I'd love to see what this looks like in real life. Do you feel like you prepare people for that real life situation in those classes? And if so, how long until you feel like somebody's proficient enough to walk down that street corner alone? I think the way I structure the classes, I think that I I speed them along pretty pretty quickly to get to the point where they're confident enough to uh, deal with a situation on the street. Uh, like I tell them, like I tell Jess and I tell everybody here, nothing is perfect out there, right? There's not a perfect technique. There's not a perfect defense. Uh, the goal is you want to get away, right? The goal is you want to create enough space to get out. And if if you're aggressive enough, if you're aggressive enough and you hit the right targets, uh, I like to say concuss the brain, destroy the frame, and it, it gives you the opportunity to create that space that you need to get out. If you're stuck in an elevator with that person, then it's a different story. You can't get out, so now you really have to do some damage, right? And basically, that's the aggression, right? The aggression, the mindset, the the heart, and the will to win, right? So I think that at Kramaga Force, uh, I think I do teach that. I do instill that type of uh, mindset. And uh, there's been people here that have been, uh, while they've been here, they have been uh, in situations where they actually fell back on Kramaga training, and it, it was successful. So... Not not all of it turned into physical fight. A lot of it was the back down part, you know. Uh, it was that mindset where I, I, I'm going to de-escalate. I'm going to stand firm, but I'm not going to give him anything either, right? And, you know, predators kind of read that in people too, right? Predators, pe- people, they they think they could get away doing things too, right? So, it's, again, if you have that mindset, that, that, uh, that uh, security type of mindset, or I'm going to be my own bodyguard mindset, I think people... Uh, with no time, they could get that 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 type of mindset. You can see it on people, right? That confidence of like you don't want, like you said earlier, looking around the the area when you're walking, who's someone mm-hmm. who you think would be a prey, who would be a predator. I definitely mm-hmm. think that Krav opened my eyes to seeing that more. And there is that dynamic. It's very palpable to see the energy of someone walking. That like I don't want to mess with that person. I feel like they would probably really whoop me. <laughs> so it's a good one. So I'm going to I'm gonna close this out and wrap up a couple of security things that have woven in, uh, but make sure that everybody who's listening really walks away with some of these overlaps that you could learn to better use in your security program that comes from Krav Maga. And this is what I took away. So my first one is understanding the other view. And you call it looking and assessing the predator versus prey. And Jessica, I think we call it the adversary view. And it feels like that's mm-hmm. the same and really useful to make sure you understand what somebody's after, how they're going to do it, that situational awareness being there. The second one is knowing what, vulner- what vulnerable looks like or what it is. 
So not just the idea of something looks like it could be more vulnerable or a prey, but also knowing what the vulnerabilities are and what the soft spots are, as you said, the straight line. The last thing uh, I was going to end on this anyway, because I think it's relevant. I love me some Bruce Lee. I'm wearing my Bruce Lee shoes. I'm kicking it. Love him. But one of the things he had as a quote, many that are great, but this one, absorb what is useful, discard what is useless, and add what is specifically your own. And that feels like exactly what you hit home here, Tony. Take what's useful. Don't use it if it's not, but make sure you make it your own. Yeah. All right. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye, Jess. Bye, Tony. Bye. Thanks for digging into these topics with us today. We hope you got some valuable insights from the episode. Please share your comments. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Security Sandbox is produced by Relativity. Our theme music was created by Monarch. Find us wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit relativity.com for more episodes. 